What's up everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 180 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell. How you going, Alex? Good. You know how I said I had an announcement for this week, from yes. last week? Next week. <laughs> you've, you've, Things come up. You've been honeypotting the listeners for a year now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's close. Yeah. But- um, Alright, so we, as usual, plenty to go through this week. Um, there's obviously a couple of big stories out there in the marketplace. But I just want to start off with a couple of clips, because these are two clips that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for a long, long time. But I keep forgetting, because something else more pertinent comes up. But I think that they are super relevant to everything we are experiencing now. And as part of a, our educational uh, goals here at the podcast... I think it's something that is extremely good for all of you guys to hear, and it might be something good to point people towards who are maybe blue pillars or maybe are not believing the things that you're saying to them or those sorts of things. So the two clips, um, the first one is a very small rundown of a thing called the Milgram experiment, which I believe was from 1963, scientific experiment. And then the second one is from a uh, Russian KGB defector called Yuri Bezmenov. But let's, let's start with the Milgram experiment first, Alex. A decade earlier, psychologist Stanley Milgram had also looked at how we respond to authority. In order to understand how people were induced to obey unjust regimes and participate in atrocities such as the Holocaust, he set up an experiment Volunteers were told they were taking part in scientific research to improve memory. Would you open those and tell me which of you is which, please? Teacher. Separated by a screen, the teacher would ask the learner questions in a word game and administer an electric shock when the answer was incorrect. He was told to increase the voltage with each wrong answer. Cloud. Horse. Rock. House. Answer. Wrong. 150 volts. Answer. Horse. The experiment requires you continue, teacher. Please continue. Participants didn't know that the learner was really an actor, and the so-called shocks harmless. You're going to get a shot. 180 volts. I can't turn the page. Let me... Just, if you were in there, I would be holding the button longer than what this guy is. I just would have turned it up from the beginning. <laughs> I'm not going to kill that man there. I mean, who's going to take the responsibility if anything happens to that gentleman? I'm responsible for anything that happens here. Continue, please. All right, next one. Slow. Walk, dance, truck. Music. Two-thirds of volunteers were prepared to administer a potentially fatal electric shock when encouraged to do so by what they perceived as a legitimate authority figure. In this case, a man in a white coat. 375 they showed that decent American citizens were as capable of committing acts against their conscience as the Germans had been under the Nazis. Uh, okay, it's very interesting that you've played that now mm-hmm. because we haven't spoken about this prior. Oh, sorry. 
we haven't uh, played this. Um, we didn't speak about this prior to the show. Yep. But I'm listening to a podcast at the moment called. Uh, hold on, it's called. I think it's called Real Dictators. Uh, yeah. And I'm currently going through Mao Zedong, right? Chairman Mao. Yep. And where you know, this is not that long ago. This is in the 18th century, mm-hmm. 20th century. No, I always get that mixed up. It was 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. That is the 20th century, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, 20th century. So. It's a generation ago, really, mm-hmm. maybe two generations ago, where one man was able to convince the entire populace that they had to do one thing or die. Yeah. Like produce for the country or die. Yep. A- and you just showed an example of where two thirds of people were not happy to, but reluctantly kill someone or exerted an amount of of uh, pain just because I was told to. But the key is because they were told to do something that was against their instincts by someone they perceived to be an authority figure. Mm. And that's the reason why I brought this up. That was back in 1963. And again, as the, um, as the clip said, what they were trying to understand from this experiment is how people could do the things they didn't participate in the Holocaust in Nazi Germany, which happened, you know, a decade prior to that. Mm. This is still happening today. And the reason why I brought that up is because... So Discernible had a post up the other day where he was... uh, he, He reposted a clip from, I think, 2020... Maybe late 2021 or early 2022 about how they were doing their best to essentially stamp out the anti-vaxxers and how they were, you know, controlling them and like have... And he was interviewing the guy and he he was like, have we done enough to stamp out the anti-vaxxers yet? Now, that language is a little bit loaded if you don't listen to his channel. He was just asking that question. That's not his particular opinion, uh, especially on anti-vaxxers themselves. He was very much against um, mandates in particular. Um... And, but, but this is the thing, that the whole COVID vaccination uh, rollout was a giant Milgram experiment. Yeah, totally. And I would say two-thirds of the population failed because they, they perceived experts to be telling them to do something that was against their basic instincts. They did it anyway. But not only that, a, a high percentage or, or maybe not even a high percentage of those people, but a decent percentage were vocal enough to try to recruit everyone else to do it at the same time and to out people for not doing it. I disagree to a point. Okay. I don't think the numbers are the same. I don't think it was two-thirds of people. I think two-thirds of people complied yep. on that initial wave, but I think it was probably maybe a third of people were the ones that were sorry yeah you may just to just to reiterate because you either may misheard or i may have misspoken i meant so two-thirds of people complied with it i.e getting the vaccine even if it was against their will and then i was saying a percentage of those people so not the whole people but a percentage of the two-thirds that complied then went further with it to actually push other others into complying with them and whether that was through fear um, because they honestly thought that 
if someone else didn't get vaccinated, they were going to be a danger to them, or whether it was a, uh, I think a lot of people just got off on all of a sudden, you know, being able to tell others what to do, those sorts of things, like whatever the reason was, they, there was still a vocal, probably a minority of people that actually actively went out and rec- tried to recruit new people into the cause. I've been thinking about this over the last couple of days because I've had a couple of instances where I have I have I've pushed the opposing narrative or sorry at least raised the opposing narrative. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting is the people that just give you the automated mainstream media response. Yep. Now to add to what you said is that is part of the manipulation giving the people a word track to use when talking to people that oppose that view so for example uh the i mean i mean talking talking covid the do it to save your grandma Mm -hmm. is such a nice thing to say and is such an easily agreeable like we all agree that we want to save grandma yeah so now you've clued the people in that you want to recruit to say if anyone says anything counter to that use this word like use this phrase yeah and where that comes unstuck is if you have some facts behind you and you can hit them with something and then they've got no response and what i want to do is, is say to those people can you see how that's not your idea yeah because your own ideas come from a, a, uh, a level of understanding or self-education or, or, or learnt or experienced experience. Mm-hmm. So you, that's how, so you, if an idea is truly yours, you can articulate how you got to that idea, yeah, how you got yeah. to that conclusion. Agreed. But when someone just parrots something that they've heard online or on the TV and then you twist that you question them on it mm-hmm. and they can't answer like is that not okay so we're on the same same sort of track but uh i think it's i think it's slightly different i don't think it is people learning anything i think it is people abdicating their responsibilities to someone they perceive as an expert Oh, no, right? I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. So, so just like in that clip where the guy's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go any higher. I don't want to kill the guy. Like, who's taking responsibility if anything goes wrong? And then the expert says, "I'm responsible for anything that's that happens oh, in here. Cool. Please continue." And then the guy's like, "Oh, okay. So as long as I'm not getting in trouble, I can do this thing, which may result in the death of the man in the other room." So as soon as you took the responsibility away from him, all of a sudden he was happy to do what he was told. And so the main reason why I brought this up, I was at a, at a gathering a couple of weeks ago and a, I think some of the people at the gathering do listen to the pod. And a conversation... Hi. Hello. Thank you for listening. Hi, guys. Yeah, thanks Please for listening. Please subscribe. Oh, we got some more subscribers. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. We have to ask at the start. That's right. Apparently it's a thing. Please subscribe to the channel. It yep. helps us a lot. We do this for free. Jason had to pay for his turbo all by himself. <laughs> so the least you could do is subscribe. It's free. Just push the subscribe button. Yeah, and follow us on socials. We, we primarily post on Instagram now that they've taken the handbrake off and on X. 
Um, but anyway, so we're at this party and the conversation came up about uh, potentially homeschool, homeschooling your kids. And there was a bit of a debate going back and forth. And um, my viewpoint on the debate was I would consider homeschooling my kids if, if after trying out school, uh, I had the perception that regular school life was not serving my children i.e. Nate's high energy, there's every chance that he'll come home and a teacher will be saying, oh, he's got ADHD, we need to medicate him. And if that sort of pathway starts getting pushed on the kids, I'd consider homeschooling it myself. But I'm still like 85% sure the kids are going to go to school and be completely fine. But I wanted to leave it open as a possibility just in case that was a scenario down the track. Now, on the flip side of the argument, um, one of the people was saying that you're not qualified like what makes you think that you're qualified to teach your own kids and i said well uh i feel confident enough in, in my own intelligence and ability that at least for say a primary school level i would be able to educate myself enough on the subjects that are given to them in their homeschooling package to be able to help them learn those things i, I back myself to be able to do that and they were like, no, well, like, you know, uh, teachers go to university for years and like they're the experts and you're not an expert. And kept coming back to this thing of you're not an expert, you're not an expert, you're not an expert. And I was like, mate, so when your kids go to school, are you going to ask which, which university did your teacher get their degree from? How long did they study? What were their scores on their exams? How long have they actually been teaching for? Because one of the commonly th common things you hear about people who have, have a university degree is they go, oh, nothing I learned in my degree actually helps me with the job. It just gave me the piece of paper to say that I'm allowed to go and do the job. So are you going to ask for all of those things? And he was like, well, no, but like they're the experts. And I said, this is the problem with society, mate. Everyone assumes that just because someone has a title that says teacher, that they're an expert in teaching. But even worse than that, you don't assume that you're intelligent enough to be able to do this stuff yourself. Yeah. And that's holding you back in every aspect of life. I think a larger part of that was probably... So I, I, I actually don't think he truly believes that you're not qualified to do it. I think it was the only thing he could say because what he really wanted to say was, no, the overarching pressure from society is to put your kid through the standard schooling system yeah but and also like to be fair people don't want to homeschool their kids either like and yeah. i'm not saying i want to do it either but i also well want... i have a controversial view on teaching yeah go ahead uh i yeah if i had kids they wouldn't be going to non-school mm -hmm. they wouldn't be going to school and i would put them in the best version i'll get there so what you, the guy said something interesting right are you an expert in that field none of these teachers are experts in these required fields Agreed. they're experts at, at, at getting a communicating with kids and maybe translating a from a textbook uh to a format which kids can then uh, i guess partially absorb and yep. whatever right well i'd send my kid to hang out with the actual expert, experts in that field and from all over the world and get learn different cultures and and this is not my idea this is uh, there was, this there was is Jeffrey article. Epstein's idea get your kids send them to an island with a whole bunch of experts in their different fields and just there let was, them hang hey, out hey, just give them massages hey, and they'll teach you really important hey, things rape happens at school too right? <laughs> yeah true, now, true. Um, 
this is like a billionaire idea. The billionaire yeah, yeah, idea yeah. is why would you put your kids? Why would you make your kids just like every other kid? If you if you think and, and every parent thinks their kid's special, yeah, and yet they don't treat them special because they put them in the same school that everyone else is in. Yeah, yeah. and then they and then they like they wonder. And I've got a little side tangent note that I want to stick to the end of this, mm-hmm. but. So you think your kid's special, so you send them to school and then all at the same time, all studying the same thing and they all come out at the exact same time they all look for the same fraction of jobs that are available in that, in that thing, right? Yep. If you think about it, that's a very stupid system, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to change the system. I've, I've said this numerous, numerous times. I'm not big enough, ugly enough, dedicated enough to change the system. Yep. But what I can do is change my position in the system mm-hmm. and I would use it to benefit me and my family. Therefore, I would build a different infrastructure. Yeah, you understand the weaknesses in the system so you know how to exploit yeah. those weaknesses for your own family. Yeah. yeah. Now, the little side side note, I had a couple of conversations with Gen Zers. Are Gen Z is like early 20s now? Yeah, I think so. And they're all talking finance. And I found something interesting. Now, this might just be a bad batch, so correct me if I'm wrong, Zers out there. Put it in the comments. If you if you buck this trend, please let me know because I'm a little bit jaded. These 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 people whinging about money, and now I've asked my next qualifying question, which is, how many hours a week do you work? Mm-hmm. And three from three said twenty hours. Right. And I was like, no wonder why you're broke. Yeah. Twenty hours a week. Like, I reckon I was probably doing 10 or 12 hours a week as a primary school student. Yep. And this, they're finished studying, but 20 hours a week, I'm like, you should be fucking broke, dude. Yeah, it's like, right. You should be broke. And don't, like, like forget investments, forget the system, forget whinging about buying a house. Yeah, you don't have enough money to invest. Like, if you're only yeah. working 20 hours a week, you barely have enough money to live. I did 60 hours a week from when I was 17 to when I was 33. Minimum. Right? And and the other big thing, you know, you'd notice this when you worked up, when you got RDOs. It cost you 200 bucks to take an RDO. I was literally about to say that. I was like, every, yeah. no wonder why they've got no money because every day off I took cost me at least 200. So yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. So at least, at least being at work, even if you're not earning good money, you're not spending it. Okay, so this is actually a perfect segue into into the next clip. So just just to wrap up that first thing, my my biggest point about the Milgram experiment is this. Everyone needs to stop abdicating their key life decisions to apparent experts. And in the Milgram experiment... Are you saying like the fat health ministers that that came on there and said, Yeah. You need to get vaccinated, you save Exactly, yep. Um, Literally looked like Jabba the Heart. Yeah, and literally what they said in that clip the person like no one even asked his credit cred, that guy's credentials the supposed uh, the scientist all they did was put him in a white lab coat yeah. and that was enough for people to believe him just like when they put someone on mainstream media to tell you to take the vaccines they're always oh we're going to talk to dr jen and she's wearing her white lab coat even though she's not at work she's in a film studio like to to, to sell it to you so just keep that in mind stop abdicating your important life decisions to an apparent expert who you don't know, who doesn't know your individual circumstances, and who probably financially has something to gain from you just doing what you're told. All right. Not even that. Not even that. There's a less insidious one. It's just care factor. Yeah. Well, see, if there's something very major, like your kids, right? Mm-hmm. You care more about your kids than any teacher ever will. Agreed. Yep. Why would a teacher, teacher give two fucks about your kid? That Your kid's special to you, not special to them. If they're oh, hot, they easy. might get more than two. Not easy. But 
But uh, same as your health advice. Does your doctor actually care about getting the best outcomes for you? Do they actually care? No, and, and consider it from this. Most of them, like, really, it is their business model to have you come back. Because yeah. every time you have swap to come back and visit card. them, yeah, they get to swipe Medicare. the Medicare credit card every single yeah. time. All right, this next clip before you start it. So this is a guy called Yuri Bezmanov. He's an ex-KGB agent. So the KGB was basically the Russian CIA, and he defected to the US. Now, this interview was from 1984. Fun, funny year. Um, and yeah, I, I think that I really want you to listen. Look, this is 13 minutes long. Alex, I'm going to leave it up to you to stop it whenever you feel like stopping it. But I want yeah. you to play at least the first five minutes. But Roger. continue it if well, you You spoke feel. several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their communities. It's kind of what I said before, where when they've got a loaded, when you speak to someone that's only been fueled by information that is purely propaganda and mm -hmm. which is which is defied by what you can see, yep. as soon as you try to disseminate that information at all, it crumbles. Yeah, so, so again, I want you to consider that exact thought and I want you guys to think about the way the world is now and the various debates that are held all the time, whether it's about COVID, vaccines, climate change, etc., and I want you to look at the people you've discussed these things through the lens of what Yuri Bezmenov was saying back in 1984. So this is a generation ago because he specifically mentions about how these things take a 10 to 15 year time frame because that's exactly how long it takes you to educate a generation of children to then come through with a twisted view of the way that the world works. ...in their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages uh, the first one being demoralization it takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation why that many years because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy exposed to the ideology of 
the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people... Hence the reason why when I go on my walk near the uni, there's socialism rally flags, yep. uh, like a, a, a flyers up everywhere. In 2024 in Australia. Dropouts or half-baked intellectuals are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. Can you pause that? You for are some? stuck with them. You so, so interesting point in what's happening at the moment around what he just said about how so 15 to 20 years to educate one student with all of these ideas and then those students come through and then they take positions of power in like the educational uh, organizations uh you have you followed at all what just happened in america in regards to the president of harvard yeah claudine gay so for any of you who aren't aware of it the short version is this um, there was a lot of when the um, Israel uh, Hamas conflict kicked off. There was a lot of protests held on campuses in universities all over America, and the majority of them were pro-Palestinian protests. And um, the the heads of three different universities, so it was Harvard, Penn, and I'm not sure who the other one was, were all called in front of Congress, and they were asked. The MIT. I'm not sure. Might have been. Yeah. Um, and they were asked basically uh, the question of, is it okay to, for anyone to speak about genocide against Jews on your campus? And Claudine Gay, who was the head of Harvard, was basically trying to say, look, it's, um, it depends on the context. It depends on the context. And it, it, it absolutely... No, it was worse than that. It was only if it turns into... Actions. Yeah, sorry, you are correct. Yeah, so yeah, it depends on the context. But I don't know if she got fired by that for that. She, I think she got fired for her uh, plagiarism of her doctorate. So that, so that was the next thing I was going to get to. So basically, this this blew up, right? So this testimony got like a billion views on YouTube in twenty four hours. It was one of the most viewed clips on YouTube in history, and. So all of a sudden, she came to the forefront. Before this, no one even knew who Claudine Gay was. So then people actually went and started researching her and found out that her um, university, her dissertation that she um, submitted to basically get that job was heavily plagiarized. So in other words, you've got the head of Harvard, which is one of the most prestigious educational institutions on the planet, anyone who says they got a degree at Harvard, they, they get elevated and as far as prestige yep. goes in society. It's just how it works. The head of that institution is a woke uh, person who got there by fraud, essentially. That's mm. exactly what Yuri Bezmenov is talking about right now. So extrapolate that out to every other educational institution in the West. Because that's, that's sort of what you're experiencing everywhere. And what is something else interesting I heard recently on the PBD podcast, there is a, um, a group that does like a freedom of speech assessment on the various universities in America every single year and basically rates them on a scale of how free your speech is at that particular university. Harvard was dead last. Wow. So... Anyway, back to the clip, but I just want to say, so what he's saying, you can already see real-world examples of that happening right now. Think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you 
expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid Can I tell you what a very subtle one is mm -hmm. that, that I only realized in the last three years of my life? Yep. The idea of work and labor. Yep. The, um, and like paying tax mm -hmm. is the whole, um, what am I trying to say? The whole structure here is go and work at a job, not start a business. It's very hard to start a business in Australia. Yep. It's not, it's not recommended. There's not a lot of uh, infrastructure in place to help you facilitate that. A lot of red tape to, 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 to start it. The push is go get a job. And then after that, it's pay, uh, like workers in labor in Australia is taxed the highest of anything, mm -hmm. right? So rich, rich people, I think I've spoken about a bunch of times on here where capital gains tax sounds bad, but capital gains tax is a discount on your tax. Yep. For capital, so an hour, an hours of an hour of work is taxed more than an, than an hour's worth of capital on capital markets. Yep. Yet, like when you explain that to people, the normies on on the street, they just look at you blankly and like, "No, yeah, I've just got to work." Like, I've just, that's right. I, I can't afford to, to invest. I've just got to work. And then they go, "Oh, well, we we wouldn't have uh, a debt problem if we just tax the rich more." Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then also, it, but at the same time, they know what's in front of their eyes, which is what he's saying. You can show them in front of their eyes blatant corruption within governments. Yep. But we're like, oh, yeah, we, but we've just got to give them more. We That's still right. have to give them more. Mm -hmm. All right. So that. So yeah. he's talking about demoralization, and, and that's step one, right? And I think to a degree, our like taxation system and that whole system is part of like the demoralization. Uh, of the people because it literally does like like you you're exactly right so let's say that you're a worker bee and what's the the tax rates about 37 percent roughly on average for an average worker bee so yeah 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 30 to 37 percent depending on your first 18 grand free yep then 37 and what if you're over uh, is it 90 i think now? it's if you're over 90 now it goes up to like so 45 cents or whatever 48 i think yeah okay so anyway so roughly roughly half of what you earn so you go you go to work and roughly half of your time is spent for the government well hold on let me break that down because it's what it's worse than that okay so let me break that down so a person does an hour of work yeah you take 12 and a half percent out of it to put into superannuation yep. which you don't get until you're 65 67 70 by the time like they'll just move the rules yep you take 36 to 48 percent out of that out yep then you pay 10 percent on everything you buy or consume yep through gst through gst yep so what you're missing? you're you're at about 60 to 70 percent now um am i missing something yeah okay oh and, and then your, and then... your pub your sorry your health cover so although they say we have a free service, yep. well, no, you've got to pay for it. Yeah, you pay your Medicare levy and your Medicare levy surcharge, you earn over a certain amount. You own a property, you pay land tax, yep. you pay rates. If you have a car, you pay rego. Yep. And, and just to put it into perspective, 
there are places in the Western world where income tax is illegal. Yep, and if you use that money, that heavily taxed money to buy something like a property, and then the value of that property increases, you then pay capital gains tax on the property that you paid for with your pre- your post-tax pay dollars after you've been paying all your interest to the bank too. So, so if you talk about trying to demoralize a society so they're easy to control, this is what keeps people in the hamster wheel, right? Anyway, can continue the clip because it is a bit longer. In society of these people, you have you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of, the, uh, of the United States society. And yet these people have been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening Soviet concept. Mm-hmm. These are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they obviously they will join the links of dissenters, dissidents. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can you can get interesting that he said that it's effectively said it's coming to America. Yeah. Uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Pause Nobody is going to pay them nothing for them. Where are people at right now, like from the last three years, who criticize the government and government policy? So, so yeah, so this is exactly what he's talking about. So back in at 1984, people like Jane Fonda could get filthy rich by simultaneously speaking against the government. Fast forward, and exactly what he said would happen is right. Anyone who spoke against the government, even in Australia... Where's Julian Assange? Yeah, well, Julian Assange, exactly, still in prison. Uh, Look at uh, Australia, where during COVID, you had that pregnant lady get arrested in her home for putting up a Facebook post about going to one of the the protests. The beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually, it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information, the facts. Visa uh, V talking to the AI system on this show mm-hmm. last week and the week prior. Yep. Tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it. 
until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, n normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation. Uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas. P.S. Do you know that we dropped bombs on Yemen today? Yep. As in Australia did? Mm-hmm. Yep. As, as, uh, so defense. We were at war with them, right? Yeah. Well, oh, no, we weren't. That's a different country. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, but also, just before you continue the clip, what did he just say were the three most important things? Economy. Economy. Uh, foreign relations and like military weapons yeah how are all three of those things going in the west today well, we're giving them all up our economies are all fucked we're at war all over the world we're, be we're being dragged into conflicts all over the world i.e bombing yemen and all of our money's gone to mil military contractors mm -hmm. Continue. and you know why they went off the gold standard right because they couldn't justify funding a war Right. So they 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 confiscated the gold off the people. Yeah. Gave them promissory promissory notes, which brought in the Federal Reserve. Yeah. So. And it's no longer it's back then. You could say, no, I'm not giving you my gold. I don't I don't want to give you my gold for war. Yeah. Like, I don't want. To. So I won't sell. So they can't fund the war. They don't go to war. Yeah. And here we are. So you go off the gold standard, price. so you can print as much money as you need to fund the war. Yep. Economy. And that causes the people at West End and Brisbane to live on the uh, living tents. <laughs> Uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression. Uh, normalization, an example at the moment, is heart issues. <laughs> Think yeah. about every article that we've either reported on on the show or you see on the news about essentially normalizing heart attacks, especially in young people. We're going through that period of normalization right now. Someone said it to me. Somebody said it. That's normal. And I'll, I went, like, cite an example before 2020 mm. where, where that's happened. Like, name one. Yeah. They couldn't do it. Uh, and it was just that one of those blank moments again. It's like, because that's not your idea. That's right. You've been told to say that. Yeah. Borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, 
to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with uh, benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system. However ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy, whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking, that every second the disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to, unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. Do any research on any communist or socialist states and clear now i understand you, you can you can stop the clip I, there by the way that he just i think it's a i think it's a norm mcdonald bit where he yep. goes funny thing about history is that it was always the good guys always won yeah, yeah. right now so i i just I'm go aware, back to the normal view because we don't need to show any more of that clip i'm aware that i might be uh absorbing this information from a western sentiment yep Therefore, it's probably got a very anti-socialist, pro-capitalist skew to it. Yep. But the atrocities are pretty atrocious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And not having food to eat is pretty bad. Yes. Having money that's worthless is pretty bad. Yeah. Mobilizing an entire army to wage war on your own people is pretty bad yeah and it seems to be a common thread across every time that has happened so if anyone isn't already aware that communism is bad i'll tell you why capitalism's got its challenges as well in capitalism you've still got your elites and you've got your paupers just like the rest of us and and we all we all understand that there's a lot of issues with capitalism itself but the number one difference between the two ideologies is that capitalism rewards 
uh, hard work and entrepreneurship, whereas mm-hmm. communism actually stifles those instincts in people. And how does it do that? So in communism, everyone gets the same no matter what you do. So a checkout girl at Woolworths is going to earn the same amount as a doctor. So what does that mean? Uh, human beings will only do more if they get more. It is just human nature. So if you, at work, if your boss comes up to you and says, hey, you have to work an extra day a week, you'll be like, either I'm not doing that or how much more money are you giving me? In communism, you just have to say yes, because that's what's required of you, okay? So the problem is in a communist uh, country, or let's say that communism comes to Australia now, and we, we just overnight decide, okay, we're communist, everyone gets the same. Obviously, all the poor people, which is the majority of the country, they approve of that because they're like, well, we're poor. I want to get what everyone else has got. And they feel like they're going to get elevated financially to where the higher ups are. But what actually happens is it just pulls the top down to the bottom because all of a sudden the incentive to do the difficult things is removed. So the next step that happens is you lose all the vital services that a society relies on. You lose doctors because no one wants to go and study for eight years and uh, then do four years of supervised uh, practice before becoming a doctor when you can earn the same amount of money with no qualifications being a checkout girl at Woolies. So you, you don't have doctors. You don't have any, any of the key services we rely on as a Western society. They all disappear. And then as the standard of living starts to decrease society itself starts breaking down and inevitably the way that it's always ended up is with people starving to death essentially because you just lose everything and then as you lose everything everyone turns on each other and people get starved and the only way that you can you don't don't share wealth you remove it that's right exactly yes it's not every everyone's equally poor as poor as each other exactly the communist utopian idea is that everyone will raise up out of poverty together. But the reality of every time communism has been attempted is that everyone ends in poverty altogether. Except the the oligarchs who are killing it. That's right, because the only way you can enforce a communist society is with an authoritarian government. It's the only way you can do it. And a massive security state, big brother state, just like what Yuri Bezmenov was talking about then. Just like what is happening in the West right now. So, sorry, what were you going to say? I mean, you've noticed that Trump derangement syndrome is back over the uh, the news. Yep. It's every day. It's about Trump. Every yes. day it's about Trump. It's just it, like he's not in power anymore. No. Why? Why four years in? Why are we talking about it? Because the Democrats have realised that the only chance they have of winning the election is to remind everyone all the bad things about Trump and try Which to demonise Trump. One of the, because one of the instant responses that I've got when I've raised this topic is. Oh, he's a madman. Yeah, of course, because that's what the programming says. Yeah, yeah. And and again, what do we say on, on this show all the time? Don't listen to the words that they say. Look at the results of the words. So when Trump was in power, how did the world look at that point in time? No new wars. America's economy was killing it. Then COVID kicked off and, and the world turned into turmoil. But COVID, not really Trump's fault. Right, that was Fauci's fault, and and mm-hmm. that whole side op thing happening un- underneath him. But as far as the actual, the whole world, like, what was the criticism that that people gave Trump? Oh, he was too friendly with Putin. Oh, he was too friendly with Kim Jong Un. Yeah, well, guess what? Putin didn't invade Ukraine while while Trump was in office, and Kim Jong Un stopped doing his missile testing as well because he actually put pressure on those people to to behave essentially. 
uh, when when Biden was campaigning, if he campaigned at all, because again, their we whole didn't see it. yeah, their whole strategy for for Biden was to basically keep him in the basement and pretend that he was scared of COVID. When he campa- campaigned at all, what he was campaigning on was oh, uh, Donald Trump is a bad guy. He grabs girls by the pussy. I am a return to normal. If you, a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for returning back to normal. And what was returning to normal? Three new conflicts kicked off in three years, massive inflation issues, authoritarian manipulation of public health orders. Like, if this, this, if this is normal, well, we need to go to abnormal real quick. Um, uh, the borders. Yeah, oh yeah, obviously the border issue in, in America is obscene. But, but again, the border issue is to support the Democrats because they're going to let these people vote by mail-in ballot. So that's just another play for them to, to win power again. But, but again, like, what's, what's the point of all this stuff that we're talking about? The point is this. The system is rigged against you. But as Alex was saying about the schooling system before, all you need to do is understand how the system is rigged against you for you to then see where the weak points are that you can exploit for your own life. And my number one exploit that I'm going to give all of you that I said right at the beginning of this is stop handing over important decisions in your life to supposed experts because most of these people are not in fact experts. They just pay to tell you to do a certain thing. That's the way that our work, our world works at the moment. So if you are not educated on important subjects such as health, nutrition, personal finances, like things that you actually require for life, it is on you to go and educate yourself. So when you were, t- when you were talking about how you would, if you had kids, you would um, change the schooling system, or not, not change the schooling system, but sorry, change the way your approach to schooling for your children to give them a better outcome. I feel a similar way. I'm happy to send them to mainstream schooling to learn what the mainstream wants them to learn. Same as we listen to mainstream media so you guys don't have to because we want to hear about what's going on there. But what I want to do with my kids is educate them in the things that my parents weren't able to educate me on to then set them up for a better life after the fact. So a good example of that is investing. Our parents didn't really know a whole lot about investing. It is on me to be able to learn about investing so I can pass that knowledge on to my kids to give them a step up in life that schooling's not going to give them. And a lot of the stuff that we speak about on this podcast is the same thing. You know, trying to, trying to understand the way that the system works and find the things that you can put into play for yourself to give you a leg up in this system. Because you're not going to change the system. Right. You're just not. You just have to play within and the rules. In that the you age of information, and sure, if there's a lot of trash information. One of the first things you need to learn is how to get good information. Yep. But you've got all the information at your fingertips, and you should. If you're too busy to deal with that stuff, you're falling for it. That's you're right. falling for that system. Yeah. You are you are stuck in a shit job that is being beaten by inflation. Just to, I want to go back to this inflation and people intensity. Yep. All right. People need to be furious with this because oh, I'm sick of hearing handout. I'm sick of hearing it, right? The government has made an entire cohort of people destitute. Mm-hmm. They did that. They directly did it by handing out free money. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Did they give them a free ride for two years and then put them in tents? 
Yeah, that's yeah. what happened. That's exactly what happened. Now, it, it, it sounds hyperbolic, but it's fucking true. They have devalued... So what is the use of working your job where you haven't seen a, a, a pay rise, right? Like, who's had a 30% pay rise? Because you need to get a 30% pay rise in the last... Like, every year for the last three years just to maintain your buying power that you had in 2019. Yeah. Okay? But that's because they gave you money. That's right. So when someone says, oh, they need to help, blah, blah, blah. No, fuck that. They need to they need to stop giving anyone anything. They need to close this program down. They need to stop giving this uh, money to this thing. They need to stop building a bullshit Olympic fucking thing, right? Yep. That that we're going to lose money on, yep. right? Uh, the people got some jobs. No, the, the 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 system that we're building, the financial system that Australia is currently like, I'm genuinely worried about. It, yep. Okay, I, I'm 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 not a uh, like we've spoken about things that you know I was not as um, triggered about certain aspects that you were, but this thing I'm genuinely when when I when you do as much research on the subject as what I've done, I'm genuinely concerned that Australia's entire economy is bullshit. Yeah. And I've used the example before, but I'll say it again. When you get your notice of assessment at the end of the year that's, that shows where your tax money went, mm-hmm. a lot the biggest proportion goes to welfare programs. Correct. Sounds good, makes us feel good. We get to help people that... That, that don't want to be helped, uh, they can't help themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Then it goes into like the free medical system. Yep. Right? Then it goes military, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how many, so I think it's, it's almost two thirds is, almost two thirds of that money is to welfare. So what's that welfare as a number of people? Millions of people? Yeah. Okay, so out of 25 million people, there's millions, even if it's only 2 million people, that is, uh, that's, that we're just paying for. Yeah. Okay? Now, so their government, they're effectively, they're government workers, right? Because mm-hmm. they get paid for by the government. Yep. Now, how many government workers are there? So out of the 25 million people, how many people are working? Uh, 15 million? Uh, 20 million? No. Uh, 17 million? Out of 25 million people, I'd probably say that 15 to 17 million of people are working. Okay, so 15, let's just say 15 million people are working. Mm-hmm. What percentage of those work for governments? Probably 40%. Yeah, 40%, okay. Now, how many people are working on for private companies doing government, exclusive government contracts? Probably. Where like, and what I mean is, where the, their sole job is to do government work. Yeah, so for example, a, a union builder working on a union site for a government project. So yes. you're probably talking another 40%. Okay. Now, what about people that are partially... Um, uh, what about people that are partially government contract? So there's a small percentage of people that, you know, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50% of their income is made up from government... Uh, government money would you include like childcare workers in that no that's next okay so the next thing is how many things are paid for by the government mm. for people to use i.e. childcare yeah i.e. education system so what, what, where are we at now so our, our numbers might be might be dead wrong 
but when you when you outline it that way it is an extremely high percentage of the country's workers are directly reliant upon government which directly is or indirectly. not the free market it's not you said something before the free market is what gives a person actual value yes and an actual motivation to be better yes because if you so if in a pure free market economy the people that provide the most value for people for other people are the richest people yes and the people who provide no value to anyone are the poorest people whereas now under this current system and this is I, I'm genuinely genuinely concerned because this is not sustainable we can't keep doing this eventually uh, uh, eventually the, the chickens have to come home, home Bruce this will fall over I don't know when I don't know what's going to happen but I just know that if it's six, if it's 60 70 80% of all the stuff that we do is all propped up with government money mm-hmm. that's not the real economy well put it this way there's a reason why our deficit keeps increasing and doesn't decrease yeah of course there? of course um, speaking of chickens there's a concept I've been thinking about a little bit recently, which is directly relevant to this, which is how I, I find it very entertaining that there are certain truths that we 100% understand about animals, but we don't apply them to human beings. Mm-hmm. Look, for example, uh, cows, there's only two genders, right? Mm-hmm. There's female cows that you can milk, and there's bulls. And if you try and milk a bull... You can milk them. <laughs> good luck with that uh we understand that but as a society we pretend that human beings are different but if you look at every single animal apart from certain animals like worms for example which i think are like asexual so actual scientific designations for these things uh but we don't apply that to human beings but another one is when you go down to the beach near like Charis seafoods down at like paradise point and there's big signs up that say don't feed the seagulls why do we not feed the seagulls, Alex? Is it because we're now creating a crutch for them, therefore they don't do the normal seagull thing and fend for themselves? Yeah, so basically... Exactly. The basic premise is you don't feed the seagulls because then the seagulls forget how to feed themselves. It's a really good analogy. I like that. Yeah. What do we do I with humans? I like that a lot. So we're handing out money hand over fist and then we're surprised when generations of people don't want to work anymore. Because they just get free money from the government. So we know not to feed the seagulls because it ends up in bad outcomes for the seagulls. But we don't apply that to human beings. And I feel like people on welfare have the same diet as seagulls. Hot chips. A lot of hot chips. Or or shit off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's a good point. Okay, I've got a really off-kilter story. Before you get to that, I thought it might be relevant to quickly go to the... um, the other article that I sent you from Rebecca Barnett, Dystopian okay. Down Under. Because this is this is an example of how government money is spent in a way that you're probably unaware of. So, yeah, this article from the 10th of January uh, from Dystopian Down Under, also known as Rebecca Barnett, great journalist from Australia. How Big Pharma Harnesses Our Tax Money and News Media to Market Their Drugs. In most countries, Big Pharma is not allowed to advertise vaccines and prescription medicines direct to consumers, and advertising of over-the-counter medicines is tightly regulated. That's not a problem for Pharma. There are plenty of other workarounds to promote drugs without direct ad spend. 
You can lobby governments to recommend and even mandate your drugs. Smooth operators can wrangle government spending of public funds to advertise big pharma products, which were also purchased with public funds at jacked up prices. Expect strong support for this tactic from the advertising industry, which stands to win lucrative government contracts to push pharma products. I just want to pause you there. I've had an argument with a friend of mine over the subject of, like, he, he, he's probably more socialist than, you know, he probably wants to head to that down that socialism road. Yep. Because he said that unfettered capitalism is bad. Right. Now, my point is, and this is an example of that, it's when big business is in cahoots with government. Yep. Right, and, and, and the government holds our purse strings. Yep. So they've got all the cards, and then they're helping these companies. That's not f- the free market. No, that's so, called fascism. And yeah, that's so, so when everyone calls someone a fascist for saying something racist because they don't know what the word actually means, fascism is when corporations collude with government to control people. Yeah. That's fascism. And this is what we're talking about right now. So finance department figures show that of the 145.3 million in ad spending in the previous financial year, 15.9 million related to COVID-19 health issues, 20.9 million was spent on advertising COVID vaccines, 7.3 million on mental health, 13.6 million on domestic violence support, and 9.2 million on, in quotes, stop it at the start, violence prevention program. So just scroll down. That's just an example of an ad. Uh, Advertising experts have been urging the government to dial up the fear factor in campaigns in an effort to scare Australians into getting the jab. So these are advertising experts, remember, not health experts. Another less conspicuous tactic is to co-opt the news media to market your product for you. The process is quite straightforward and relatively cheap, as demonstrated in this local news article from the regional Bay Post slash Moiruya Examiner, Festive warning as poll reveals lax COVID-19 attitudes. Well, you know where this is happening a lot now, or it has been for the last couple of months, is Ozempic. Right, oh, yes, there's a big yes. shortage of Ozempic. Big shortage of Ozempic. Yeah. And and they, they ne- do you notice they never say what it is, like that uh, semi-glutide inhibitor? Yeah, that's which right. Which should be dirt cheap, but yeah. they're, so they're, and they only, they talk about the brand Ozempic, they show everything at the background. It's a native ad. Exactly. So, so this is something that we've, we've covered a lot on the podcast in the last two years about like, so when we're talking about experts before, remember when Koshi was telling you to go and get the jab or Carl Stefanovic was going to, was telling you to go and get the jab. So we know that it's illegal for pharmaceutical companies to actually advertise in Australia, but it is not illegal for them to do these sorts of things. And I really wanted to read this um, article, particularly for this next bit, because it literally tells you the play by play of how they do it. All right. So step one, Pharma pays for market research. The latest COVID community sentiment index commissioned by Pfizer Australia polled 1,000 Australians aged 18 years and older from November 27 to 30 to uh, amid the nation's eighth virus wave. It found 33% of Australians do not think COVID measures such as wearing masks, hand sanitation and social distancing are important for protection against the disease. A third, or 34%, did not believe staying up to date with vaccinations was important, and just under two-thirds, 64%, thought new COVID-19 variants would not have a significant impact on them in a year's time. Number two, pharma crafts results into a press release urging take-up of the target product and forwards it to the news syndicator. 
Ideally, the press release does not appear on Farmer's regular media page, as it's important that this looks like organic news coming from a trusted news source, not the marketing campaign that it is. Step 3. News Syndicator lightly edits the press release and publishes it as news. Uh, quotes from experts, scroll down a little bit, uh, obliquely recommending the product should be inserted. This can be done by either stage number two or number three. Use framing as a device to minimize the appearance of experts and media being seen to overtly give health advice or push pharma products. Frame low vaccination uptake as a problem, followed by experts calling on the public to take precautions, uh, accompanied by images of vaccination, i.e. precaution solution. So something was interesting. One of, one of the articles that they played was, I think they I think they're talking about how, I can't remember if it might have been social distancing or masks, the effectiveness of masks and how it didn't work. Yeah. And that, like, um, even though the really high vaccination rate, the um, COVID was going crazy. And then they literally stuck on the end. We still think the best thing you can do. That's right. Is get vaccinated. Yeah. So they literally counted their thing in the article, but they can just go and at the end, the full stop is insert the ad. Yep. And it's work. And, and I know in sales, like, um, it's funny when, when you people when you teach people to answer the phone, and mm. most people's standard response is, um, a hi, uh, um, hello, this is Alex speaking. But we always teach people that they people only hear the last thing, they only listen to the last thing you say. Mm -hmm. So it's more effective to say, hello, this is Alex. Yeah. They remember your name better. Yeah. So they've said the vaccines don't work, but the best thing you can do is get vaccinated. That's right. And because they said that last, you remember it. Exactly. So this is an example of a news article and, and literally gives you the breakdown. So it starts at the top with the, the expert or the appeal to authority. So first sentence is, infectious diseases paediatrician Robert Boy urged Australians to resist complacency ahead of the holiday season. The next is where they introduce the problem. Uh, it says, so you might be done with COVID, but COVID isn't done with you. Doing nothing is part of the problem. And in the article, it says Australians are becoming blasé about COVID-19 vaccinations and safety measures as the pandemic drags on, prompting a warning for the festive season. In quotes, as much as we would all like to forget about COVID-19, COVID-19 is not done with us, the University of Sydney professor said. So next, they offer the solution. In quotes, with COVID-19 part of our new reality, we need to continue to embed some habits and measures to protect ourselves and our communities. Taking precautions this Christmas is only sensible. And fourth, they add a, context a contextualizing image of someone getting vaccinated. Num um, step four, local news outlets republish the syndicated article as local news. And you'll just see examples. Oh, wow. I've never seen this before. That's so I see this all the time. When I go and Google something or, or, or search something for see the show, yeah. yeah, you see this. You see the exact same headline article copy pasted between a whole bunch so of different news outlets. So you've got City News, uh, AU News, Yahoo, Canberra Times, Shep News. All with the exact all same show. title and the exact same article. Voila, a plethora of advertorials disguised as local news for the small price of conducting a public poll. This format is adaptable to all major industries, big energy, big agriculture, big food, and so on. Like mRNA tech, just plug and play. Combined with blanket indemnity on secret purchase agreements with governments to the value of billions of dollars, this is quite the business model. So I would definitely suggest people follow Dystopian Down Under, Rebecca Barnett's reporting on uh, X. Uh, she's also got a Substack that you can access from there too. She has some really, really good reporting on this stuff. Yeah. But that right there, I think, is a perfect example of... So that's what our tax dollars are being spent on. So Alex was just saying before about how... 
um, you know, they take all of our money and then go and spend it on things that benefit themselves. Well, it's exactly right. Not only did our tax dollars go towards all of these pharmaceutical products, which probably did more harm than good, but we also paid our tax dollars to advertise these things so we would take them in the first place. It's the same thing that we whinged about during the pandemic with all the censorship. Our tax dollars actively went towards the government censoring our podcast. Like, that's fantastic. They They paid for people to monitor and send emails to the social media companies yeah. to say that, oh, I think this is a breach of your terms. That's right. To, to, to help they, social they media. Yeah, to help social media companies enforce their own terms and conditions. Now, you had something else that you wanted to go to? And I've got one last thing I want to quickly mention before we get before we finish up. Well, I think mine needs to finish. Okay. So my one will be really, really quick. Um, have you seen everything in the news about Woolworths and Coles uh, saying that they're not going to be selling Australia Day yeah. paraphernalia anymore what are your thoughts on that i probably have different thoughts to you okay um i i hate the fact that we buy australian flags made in china yep and flap them around on our cars i, I like to see the australian flag i like to see that stuff mm-hmm. but i hate the fact that we buy shit yeah from china to represent us being happy with Australia. Yep. And also, you know, my view on the day. I love Australia Day. Yep. I just want to move it to a different day because I think it's a day more for the British than it is for the Australians. Yep. Um, uh, the I have a theory, though, that this is a great way to uh, galvanise, like to create a divide. 100%. It's a distraction. Yeah. And you've got Coles v. v Woolies now. Yep. And I bet you're on the next topic that comes up. It'll be reversed. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, yeah, they're sort of propping each other up. And, yeah. And I think they're dividing us as a... So you're going to be able to say, hey, you went to you went to Woolies. You, you know, you're a whatever, you know. Yeah. So it's this is a classic Tinderbox event where they have just found another dividing line. So then you can have everyone picks which camp they're in. Then they're going to argue back and forth between each other instead of focusing on what's actually going on in the world. That's all it is. And that's why I wanted yeah. to bring it up. Like, the whole story itself is, you know, you, you, can, you can pick either side and you can steel man your argument. I get that. But it's a bullshit argument. Who yeah. cares? Like, cares. if Coles and Woolies, if you can't get an Australian flag, there are plenty of other places that you can go and buy an Australian flag from. So it doesn't matter. All this is is race baiting for a start because it's designed to again there's been a lot of stuff in the news about like immigrants and stuff especially when it comes to like the inflation and the housing crisis and those sorts of things so this is a way of stoking more further racial tensions because anyone who's maybe a full-on patriotic australian who is currently struggling because they can't get a rental because there's too many immigrants in the country and now coles and woolies aren't even supporting australia day like what's this country coming to they're going to get all angry anyone who is an immigrant might feel like they're being unfairly targeted and they're going to get angry and next thing you know you're arguing with each other instead of the fact that government decisions have caused the inflation crisis and have put everyone in a bad position in the first place that you probably can't even afford an Australian flag for Australian Day this year yeah so it's just a distraction All right, let's finish off with your story Alex what do you got for me have you heard about the Manhattan Jew tunnels (laughs) I have but I'm assuming that a lot of our listeners haven't so this was my favourite story of yesterday, mm-hmm. being Thursday the 11th. Uh, it, it got a little bit of coverage, but everyone I've spoken to, I'd say the same thing. Hey, what about the Manhattan Jew tunnels? And, and people are like, oh, what? What? 
a now <laughs> a little bit of background about six months ago a tweet came past my uh my algo and said hey this might sound really weird but i think there's juice tunneling under my <laughs> under my apartment <laughs> and it just seemed like the craziest most out there thing turns out it was true mm. um here is a synagogue. In... I'm just, I'm literally just thinking now about the show art that I can make for this week's episode. Yeah, be careful. Um, this is a synagogue in Manhattan. I think it's called uh, Rabbis of Shabbat Lubavitch Headquarters. Um, yeah, it's an it's a, a Orthodox Jew um, mm-hmm. synagogue. Um, there's no sound on this, but basically for audio listeners... There, it's inside the synagogue. There's like, a, I guess, plywood. It looks like new uh, um, wood compared to the wood next to it mm-hmm. that they're just ripping apart. And this is the weird part for me. There's all these old mattresses. And look how soiled those mattresses are. Yeah. That looks like someone's shit themselves mm-hmm. on it. Keep watching because there's like a... So they're pulling, yeah, they're, out, I... pulling the mattresses out of the wall. So basically pulling the wall down and pulling mattresses out of the wall. Yep, they're all filming it. So I don't know if they know about um, this tunnel. Um, it seems it seems very odd to me. Okay, now there, right, so there's more. There's more. Now there's more. hold on. Are these tunnels in some way linked to the uh, eight to ten foot tall beings from Miami from last week? No, <laughs> no, they're not. Maybe. Um, now, okay, so this is a. The police came. And it got so heated inside that the the synagogue goers started fighting the cops. Wow! All right, now I don't know what this guy's saying. Why are you looking to spend something? Don't know what that's about. But yeah. there's basically so now showing the same wall. There's police standing in, in in front of that front of the wall. Um, there's cement trucks coming because it is like a big. This is an issue, right? Like, uh, uh, New York's already built on shaky ground. Yeah. And you're going to go very tu- like build tunnels underneath. This is wild, which shows a uh, Orthodox Jewish man coming out of a grate on the street and just running off. Yeah, right. Right? That's interesting. Here's one that's getting pulled out of the tunnel and arrested. Teenage... Mutant Ninju Turtles. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Hey, I've I've just had a quick theory come to mind on this. Yeah. Just from... Because if they do look relatively new... And remember during COVID, during all the lockdowns, um, when uh, there's a lot of stories out of Sydney of Jews that were breaking lockdown orders to still go and worship? Yep. I wonder if maybe it's a bit of that. Could you... I mean, New York was like... A lockdown, yeah. Too. So it could, yeah, it could well be. So maybe well they be. were trying, just trying to find a way to get into the church to be, or the synagogue, sorry, to yep. be able to worship. Here's here's the tunnel. So, but if I'm you use, this if you use the term secret Jew tunnels, then <laughs> there's a lot of uh, mystique. Manhattan Jew tunnel is my favourite. The <laughs> New York Jew tunnel. So the, the first part, I think this is this landing here is normal, but it's it's all this dirt that they're sort of digging away, and this little hole here to the side. Um, so I, it's a, I don't know any more about the story. There's no more information. I think they've gone to fill it in. I don't think we know what's in the Jew tunnels. And yet. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of conspiracy theories out about 
why they're so quickly filling it in with concrete because i know that the logical thing is because of the foundations that they have uh they've dug under there's now putting them in danger but then on the flip side it could be well what are they hiding in the new york men uh, jew tunnels so according to crown heights info the tunnels were made in the past six months in an effort to expand 770 other reports suggest the tunnels were, oh there you go uh uh, dug by yeshiva men during COVID after they were locked oh, up. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so you might be right. Yeah. Um, tunnel reportedly stretched from Mikva uh, building to the women's portion of 770. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't see my brain went because they're all young men. Yeah. I wondered if there was like a female connection there. Uh, the things that will do for pussy. <laughs> the tunnel was discovered after someone started hearing people in his home. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was that was my interesting story. For the I can imagine the, uh, you wouldn't miss that because uh, I can't remember if I said it on... I'm pretty sure I said it on the show a while ago. It might have been about a year ago. I was in one of the back rooms in the house and I could just hear this, like, buzzing noise. And I was like, where is that coming from? I put my head up against the wall and I could hear all this buzzing. And I went around the other side and there was a beehive that had... Um, bees had come in through some of the cracks in the bricks outside and actually built a full beehive inside my wall. So if I can hear a couple of bees, I'm sure that you can hear, uh, hear a hive of Jews behind your wall <laughs> in the New York Jew tunnels. There you go. Hey, let's... Look, I, I do think that the most likely excuse is that they were just trying to get find a way to get in to be able to worship during COVID. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, because there, there was a lot of stories in Australia about a lot of Jews getting targeted. They felt unfairly because they were still practicing during lockdowns. But... Um, yeah. Yeah, obviously, the Jews are pretty hardcore. We've, uh, if there's anything we've learned the last six months, is Jews are pretty hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note... Thanks very much for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>